This is the Alarm Entourage. During the hot summer months of 2019, the Alarm embarked on arguably their biggest tour for many years. 40 dates, visiting half the states in the USA. I was privileged to be invited to join the band for the entire period, on the road with them to make the Alarm Entourage podcast, which would document the ups and downs of the rock and roll lifestyle as it happened. I anticipated that there might be issues along the way, but I wasn't expecting the tour to hit one of those complications as soon as we landed in America. You said you wanted Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> we've well, got it to start us off. Just What's happened, Jules? Yeah, so we've had a very long flight. We've come over from Manchester and London, band and crew, really keen and eager because we're quite good at doing this routine. But the one thing we didn't see happening was to land, where are we now, Nashville? We're being met by our tour bus the bandwagon tour bus and we've just discovered that the trailer has come off the bus rolled into a ditch oh I didn't know that I knew that there were issues with the trailer but it's in a ditch yes well it's now coming out the ditch and our driver and our bandwagon which is our destination for this evening is 200 miles away so we have hitch problems and trailer problems. Which Good we start to, to the tour. Brilliant. Yeah, you're right. I had this conversation with Jules uh, a couple of weeks ago before the tour started and said, look, this story, it's going to be great. It's going to be a wonderful, exciting tour, but the best bit is going to be where stuff goes wrong. There's going to be this sort of natural variation curve of good stuff and bad stuff. And where it goes wrong... That's what you pay for, right? That's what the excitement's all about. I now wasn't I see ex- where you're coming from, Gareth. Yeah. I didn't agree with you at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we've had enough ups and downs and glitches and hitches, uh, so I didn't see this one coming. But yeah, I see where you're coming from now. This will add to the drama of the start. Yeah. So, okay, what are the options? You've got five hours to kill. We reckon if it's 200 miles away, it's what, four or five hours before it gets here? Yeah, we could go to a restaurant and drink a few beers and have dinner. <laughs> Um, or we can go to hotels, we can figure out where to stay. I think our main problem is the transportation. That's why we're such a lover of the tour bus, because we were going to go smoothly, a smooth transition from the airport to the tour bus that would be picking us up outside. And now we have endless amounts of bags and guitars and T-shirts and drum bits. And we've now got to figure out if we do go to a hotel and our tour bus isn't coming for some time, that's one whole big navigation in itself. But I think from all the years of touring, you have to accept that things go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. If you come out here wanting everything to be perfect, it's never going to happen. And it's a mammoth task transporting all these people, all these personalities, and with so many things that can go wrong. It's like the D-Day landings, really, but it's slightly <laughs> more complicated than that. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> what time is it now? It's midnight UK time. What time is it locally? Now, hang on. Check's yeah, phone. Check our iPhones. Yeah, yeah it's 6, six o'clock. PM. Yeah. And we've been up... Uh, I've lost track since five this morning. We're, we're all in good spirits, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're on tour and we're a gang and, and it's up to us to not panic. Don't panic. And I think for me, the litmus test, I mean, don't get me wrong, this is a tad irritating, but I always think, oh, yeah, it could be worse. It could be cancer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
One of the early highlights of the Sigma Tour was Mike's plan to broadcast live on social media as the alarm recorded a suite of songs at Sun Studio in Memphis, Tennessee. As well as being a working studio, Sun Studio is also a living museum to the history of rock and roll. So before the band set about recording there themselves, we decided to take the studio tour, which was a treasure trove of musical equipment and some instruments that had actually been used for Elvis's very first recordings. Luckily, I had an expert with me. James, you're the nearest thing I know to an absolute authority on all guitars. I'm flattered. Have you seen this thing here? This, yeah, yeah. We've got a guitar in a case. you know where it is? What, in the case there, or this one here? This one here, behind the glass case. Oh, yeah, that looks like a Martin D28. Oh, this one here, the yeah. gold one. That's a Gibson ES295 from the 1950s. You know that without having to look it up or anything, don't you? Of course. And do you know if this is a particularly important one, this particular well, one? Scotty Moore played that model of Gibson. Right. So I don't think that's the actual one, yeah. but he played an ES295. He's famous for that, the all-gold tune. A very cool-looking guitar, you've got to admit. Scotty Moore is Elvis's guitarist, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just need to check the facts. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Of course, yeah. uh, do you own one of those? I do not. I'd like to own one. I did have one. I actually sold it to John Giddings. Believe it or really? Not. John Giddings? <laughs> so he owns one. John Giddings, of course, is the guy who does the Isle of Wight Festival in yeah. the UK. Yeah. yeah. Rock and roll heritage. Yes. You've been here before? I have about 30 years ago, but it's very different. Because between 68 and 87, it was a car parts shop. And then they reacquired it and got lots of the stuff back and made it into the museum that it is today. So I came here about 30 years ago, and I think Mike did. When I was originally touring with Genos Jezwell, and, you know, yeah, Sun Studios just reopened. You know, we used to come down here when we were on tour and have a look. So, yeah. There's so, one more guitar in this case over here. Is this the actual one, or is this a replica? It's the actual, you know? that's Elvis's actual case. It's a Martin D28, and Elvis had one that had that leather jacket on it like that, which I've played guitars that have that, and it really does... Muffles sound big time, but obviously looks, looks great, looks super cool. <laughs> Who cares? And, and look at the case what? though, with like yeah. you know, with the cowhide interior and everything. Yeah. It's awesome. It says Elvis Presley's cowhide guitar case, so it's yeah. not the guitar, it's just but it's the case. Yeah. And they've got an identical guitar with the cover over it, exactly. like he used. Yeah. Um, it's gone he very used quiet. A lot of different guitars, Elvis. Like through the years, yeah. Lots of different guitars. Lots of different guitars. Yeah. He's famous for. Well, he had a Gibson Dove, Black Dove. He's famous for when on his 68 comeback special, he takes Scotty Moore, had a Super 400, which is a massive, the biggest guitar Gibson made, arched up. And you see him, he takes it off Scotty Moore and starts playing on the TV show, and I don't think he ever gave it back. <laughs> Living on a tour bus for two months is tremendous fun often though after a gig the distance to the next show is so great that we drive all through the night just to get there in time but there are occasions when we aren't in such a rush so we need to find somewhere we can park our 45 foot truck and its 15 foot trailer overnight luckily walmart have a policy called safe travelers Alarm guitar tech Adam Pate explains exactly what that means. You can park here and stay the night and not be messed with. Okay. No. They're not going to kick you out. Yeah. We're more likely to mess with people than they mess with us, really. <laughs> exactly. And Walmart is usually 
open 24 hours. We don't know if the Walmart that we've turned up in is open 24 hours. But Smiley's had this thing where he says, you've got to come to Walmart at 2 o'clock in the morning, because that's how he talks, right? It's amazing. Stuff you see, you wouldn't believe it. So one of the things that we promised on the Entourage podcast was that we would show you what it's like to be on tour. And part of being on tour in America is going to Walmart at 2 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Now, Smiley's left the bus and he's looking to find an entrance to this Walmart that is open. I haven't found it yet. This, this, I found an entrance. Is it open, though? Is it? It's open! The door's open! Smiley's in here. Now, Walmart, as you know, is a mega store and full of everything you need, right? I need some soya milk for breakfast so got I can it. have cereal. Where is Smiley? Nutella? You got it. Cheap Nutella, huge volumes of Nutella. Where is Smiley? He could be anywhere. I haven't got my phone with him. It could take ages to find him. Walmart has clothes, it has makeup, it has watermelons next to the makeup. <laughs> Huge volumes of peanut butter. You can have a bath in this peanut butter. I've just found a peanut butter that must be a litre of peanut butter. Where's Smiley? This is the thing that Smiley's most talked about since we've come to America. What's that, Adam? Say what? Smiley's probably buying clothes. Is that what he does at 2am? Kind of. Yeah, let's find out. Hello there. There he is. (laughs) You found him in the clothes. Smiley! Come here. He was so excited about this. I think this is how Mike gets Smiley to agree to come on the American tour, as long as he can come to Walmart at 2 o'clock in the morning. Smiles, you've been so excited about this, haven't you? Tell me the highlight of Walmart at 3.30 in the morning. 3.30 in the morning. This, Somewhere this in Oklahoma. That's a mecca of, of, of American civilization. It is, yeah. It's just, it's just full of just nonsense which <laughs> you can lose yourself for an hour easy and 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 it's brilliant honestly I'll rest my case like you a know, pair of shorts pair Adam of has shorts. pulled out a pair of shorts with cactuses on yeah, the okay. cactuses are blue the shorts are yellow that yes. tells you everything you need that to know says, tells you everything you need to know about Adam really. <laughs> this honestly this is my favorite place this is my tranquility if I die and I wake up in heaven, this is what it's going to be Walmart? Like. Yeah, Walmart with <laughs> Kelly Brooks all around the bikini. <laughs> I'm, I'm off to see the sales. All right, I'm coming with you. Where are the sales? Where's the cheap stuff? Here we go, look. we have underpants. Yeah. Well, if you go for the Andy, A-N-D-I underpants, they're immense. Are they? I've, I've, they're, they're the ones it's, I it's use. It's a brand that you that's wear. It's a brand I wear. There they are. Oh, there you go. There's an alarm so, fact you weren't so expecting. Honestly, Hang on, that's not Andy, that's Gandhi. No, that, no Andy. Okay. Right. Andy, not Randy, as in LeBrow. And one. And one. Oh, is that what it is? And one. God, I've been wearing their pants all wow. this time, and now I've finally realised that I'm... Is it really and one? Yeah, it's a basketball term. Oh, man. A basketball term? What does that mean? I don't know. Uh, if you get fouled while making a shot, yeah, you get a free throw. That's called and one. And so there's a pair of underpants named after that. They it makes no sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> They've got hats. Jules is like this. You may notice that Jules wears oh, a lot of cowboy hats. Can I just say, Jules 
never comes into Walmart really? late at night. It's like, it's beneath her. And I'm just laying that out there, right? <laughs> she's from Pristatin. How can it be beneath she's her? She's in bed. She's boring. Right. <laughs> They've got hats with stars and stripes on them. Cheap underpants. Nine t-shirts for seven forty-nine. That's about £4.30. It, it, That's a bargain. Actually, I want some soya milk for breakfast. Go on, then. Go and find yourself some bargains, man. I'm, now okay. I know my pants have been renamed. <laughs> Honestly, this is... A couple of weeks into the tour, the alarm, along with a host of other acts, including General Public and Vanilla Ice, played a daytime festival at the truly massive Microsoft Theatre in Los Angeles. Welsh TV director Emir Avam was there to shoot the alarm set and captured a gig where the audience simply went nuts. This was a topic of conversation afterwards in the dressing room for Mike with Roy Martin and Robbie Gray from Modern English. I mean, there was a moment where I could hear this kind of resonance, which I thought was feedback. It was actually people cheering. Cheering yeah. <laughs> songs. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. They like do that it's like the Smash It's Teenage Party or something it was, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Which we're not used to back at home, are we? No, no. It's I like stop, at this age. Stop talking at the back. We're trying to listen no, to the when group. You, when you come to California, you yeah. get it every time. They throw know, it at you, weird, don't they? It's weird. They, 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 bless I love them. it, though. Come on, it's the capital of entertainment in yeah, yeah, so many ways. Yeah. And, and it's the good life. I mean, who wouldn't want to live in California? They, Me, you know, yeah. The climate. Sorry, sorry. Merseyside. I mean, I was going to say... the. Countryside. I was going to say the, the Wirral's very nice at this very time nice, of the year. Yeah, yes. Not too bad in Suffolk either. No, no I've heard this. Can't beat real. <laughs> oh, you can. Come on. I'll support the real vote. I'm sorry, boys. This is a democratic vote here. It's real. Good. Sounds like you've enjoyed it. I have. It's been extraordinary. Good. I'm going to see Jules. Have a quick only, word with her. There's only five and a half thousand people here tonight. Is that what it was? Eight and a half. Oh, more than that. Yeah, eight and a half thousand. Yeah. Eight and a half. Sorry, eight, eight and a half thousand people. <laughs> there were two hundred thousand people there. No, there was three hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, it's eight and a half thousand. I'm going to leave them. I'll see you in a bit. Jules, Emir. Right, I better bet explain who these people are. You've heard of Jules Jones Peters. They, they know who you are. They might not know your name, Emir Avan. And that's how I have to say it, Emir Avan. You've got a roll the R. You say it beautifully. Well, these poor people here have got no practice doing that. No. What do they call you here? M. Good enough. It's simpler. <laughs> what have you had? What have they called you? I've had emu, I've had Emma, I've had Emil, I've had email. Was the other email. one? Email. <laughs> email. Emma runs a TV production company called Avanti. Owns yes. 49%. By now, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's going up. Yeah. Like a production company you've made, as far as I know, two documentaries about Jules and Mike's stories independently. Which have been broadcast not only on BBC Wales but on BBC Two as well. Was yes. it BBC Two? BBC One Network. And and that's quite an achievement because it doesn't happen very often. The quota of opportunities for network television to carry regional stuff means that they must have regarded your work. And I'm pointing at both of you here in very high regard. It was the story, the narrative, and yeah. the access that we had, because Mike and Jules had the trust to give us the story. And it's a universal story. It's not all about 
about music, it's about people's personal journeys. And that what I've found tonight, in particular in the concert, is those stories come out in music. Yeah, and yeah, that, you know, in every, the songs. Every, every song in that album, I recognise. Yeah, yeah. of, of the journey. Smiley's been with Ice-T and he's embarrassing to be dancing I'm going to interrupt this conversation to talk to Smiley. This is what it's like on tour with the alarm. Smiley. Smiley, tell me the story, what just happened. Oh, man, I just went on stage with Vanilla Ice. Yeah. I don't know. And seriously, and then Ice Ice Baby came on, and I was about four foot from him. And as I walked off the stage, I thought, this can't get any better. I turned the corner, and Billy Idol was standing in front of me. <laughs> and I went, hi, Billy, how are you? And he went, yeah, yeah. hey, man, you're the alarm uh, drum, aren't you? I went, yeah, let's have a picture. And no! Then, and then I died. No! Happy. You had a picture taken with Billy Idol. Yippee-i-i, yeah. mother. August kicked off in San Francisco a city which has always felt like a second home to the alarm and is in fact the current home of the alarm's original drummer Nigel Twist who joined the current lineup of the band on stage to play Shout to the Devil and 68 Guns at the Encore and then followed that with a chat with me and Mike on the alarm bandwagon Nigel explains what it is he does professionally these days I'm a public defender investigator, so I've been there 23 years now, which is amazing. The public defender's office, they represent people who are indigent people who have been accused of crime. They get arrested and they're given an attorney, appointed an attorney, and that's all on the dime of the state and the city and county of San Francisco. So they get representation, and then our office gets all the discovery, which is all the documentation, like the police reports and the complaint that was made, all the photographs, all the evidence, that kind of stuff. We get to look at all that. And then I go out and talk to all the witnesses and victims of the crime, and then I write reports on what they tell me. And in that, I'm looking for changes and differences to what was written in the original police report by the police when they took the original reports. And if there are differences, then I do sometimes what's called impeachment. So the attorney will use me to impeach the witness that told the police something else. They'll tell police one thing, they'll tell me something that's different. And then when they get on the stand, they usually tell what they told the police originally because they feel obliged to do so, but the story changes all the time. So your role over here is to seek out the truth, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. How... Does that compare to being the drummer in the alarm? Uh, I don't think it does. He <laughs> <laughs> could still get to wear his dark sunglasses while he's going about Yeah, I was very pleased way. to see you wearing the dark sunglasses yeah. on stage yeah. tonight, Nigel. Well, I'm still riding around the city. <laughs> yeah, that's it, on tour. Uh, uh, <laughs> Looking uh, for the truth. Yeah, yeah. Three chords and the truth. That's all we need. You know, uh, it's funny, it's like, because a lot of people say to me, how do you segue from this to that? And I think it's because, you know, when you're touring, you meet a lot of different people, you see a lot from people, you know, you talk to a lot of different people, and you find it easier to do that when I'm talking to, you know, the guys that are sitting out here right now on the street, you know. Yeah. Those are the guys I'll be walking up to saying, you know, you remember that incident that happened yeah, a couple of weeks so, ago? Yeah. You know them. You tell me about it. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> Unbelievable. I've got a story for you. Go on, James, what is it? I told Nigel Ernie about this. When I first, you know the band Holy Holy that I play in? Yeah, 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 the Bowie band. Yeah, the very first gig, and he's only ever done one, Clem Burke and Blondie oh. play drums. And 
Clem obviously is one of the most awesome drummers in the world but when he played five years and he did it and it was great but then when Woody Woodmansey decided that he wanted to like get involved and he did it suddenly it was like the record and obviously Smiley is one of the greatest drummers in the world but tonight 68 Guns it's the record wasn't it it was the record <laughs> the twist well I was on stage whilst you did Shout to the Devil and 68 Guns and at one point I was filming both you, James, and you, Nigel, at the same time, you locked into something. That was good, yeah. Which was James, deeply satisfying. James learned how to lock in with the alarm when he took Dave home from the marquee. Is that right? In 1982, when he was absolutely hammered. Is that right? <laughs> and James rescued him from okay. the street and brought him no, back to Battersea. I mean, I was probably drunk as well, and I had this Triumph Herald. <laughs> Triumph Herald? Yeah, yeah, convertible. Oh. Nice. I can still remember the reg. Go on. MUF 123F. There you go, Whoa. alarm fans and collectors, that's the car to buy. Anyway, Dave's like, can you give me a lift home? And I'm like, where'd you live, Patterson? And I'm like, okay, I was still living with my dad in Shizuka at the time, so I'm like, yeah, it's sort of on the way, I'll take you. And he was like, oh, great, man. <laughs> so they locked in then. Mike, it was a huge treat for me yeah, to see you two on stage. It was amazing. Nigel, it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's night. great. I mean, it's, it's always good. It's always good. It's yeah. always good. Nigel, love you, brother. Love you too. And you, MP. Yeah. Brilliant. So that's it. Another big love in from the entourage. (laughs) Mike and Jewel's two sons, Dylan, 15, and Evan, 12, were on tour with us, helping out, selling merchandise, and doing most of the drum roadying. Both lads are accomplished musicians themselves. During the sound check at the complex in Salt Lake City, Evan was on drums, Dylan played guitar, and they were joined by Smiley on bass and Mike on stage to play a song familiar to Alarm fans. I wish you could see the smile on Evan's face at the moment. I can't use it anymore. And the cool in Dunland, Dylan's eyes. I keep calling him Dunland because that's the Welsh pronunciation. Is he going to do the drum fill? There we go. No trouble. Knock, knock, knocking on Evan Peters' drums. I think Smiley's out of a job if he wants to stay the drummer in this band. I love Evan's interpretation of the drum fills. And Dylan looks very cool with one of James's guitars. Just like so many times 
very rare special version. Jules is here. Look at the smile on your face. <laughs> I know. It's, um, it, it's hard to explain how, how happy it makes me feel to watch father and son sort of play together. You and me both, girl. Me too. I get it. It's going to get very loud. Osmonds aren't the only family group from Salt Lake City now. Yeah, yeah exactly. The new Osmonds, the Peters. <laughs> I wonder if they can play Crazy Horses. That was lovely. <laughs> It's always a treat to have people join the band on stage. And at the gig at the House of Blues in Cleveland, Smashing Pumpkins' Billy Corgan performed Rain in the Summertime with the Alarm. And in the dressing room afterwards, he explained why he describes the Alarm as the real deal. You want the whole story? Yeah, man, yeah, yeah, we've got all the time in the world, yeah. Well, I don't remember what the program was, but I saw the Alarm when you were first touring America, live on television somewhere. And I went out the next day and I bought the first EP. What year was that? Do you remember? 83. 83, yeah. 68 Guns. It was probably the cutting edge that you might have seen as yeah. on the MTV oh, right. show. Yeah. It was time. weird. It was like it was like shot from a very high angle, almost like down at your oh. heads. Oh, well, that, that might have been, I remember that might have been American Bandstand, you know, we yeah. played Marching On. That was early on. I remember thinking, interesting with the acoustic guitars. Yeah. Very different. Songs were fantastic. Energy was... Fantastic. And then, of course, the big hair. How old were you in 83? I would have been about 16. Right. Wow. Yeah. It went right into your blood then. <laughs> yeah, and I've been a fan ever since. So for me, I, I took the journey from the beginning. Yeah. And I really understood that this was a different type of band with a different type of trajectory. And my father was a musician, so I felt like I was fairly educated. And my father, you know, he liked Bowie, but he didn't like somebody else. You know, I had a discernment in my world because of my father. So, you know, when I got the alarm, I mean, it didn't go away just because I stopped being a teenager at some point. I got it from the get-go. So what was it about the alarm that worked for you? I think what sticks out in my mind always about the alarm, and now that I've known Mike a few years, is, you know, in such a cynical world as rock and roll, when you see the real deal that's so genuine, it's almost shocking. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't believe it can be that yeah. pure. The and I use that word sort of generally, really me. you know. By surprise. It was like the robust spirit of Woody Guthrie or Bob Dylan blended with, you know, this kind of punk anarchy. 
but yet it, it was approachable. It wasn't off-putting. You didn't feel alienated. You felt like, oh, they kind of understand, you know? Inclusive is the word I use. Okay, well, that's I, a very uh, SJW word. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I felt like I understood it right away. And then, of course, when I got the EP on cassette, Right. Um, I could still see it in my mind, you know, playing in the bedroom. And I just got it. I just, whatever they were singing, I got it, you know. And as you know, and I'm speaking a bit technically, the sound of the alarm then was a bit of a hard thing for people to kind of manage. The acoustic guitars, you know, yeah. trying to create the live ambience. So when you heard it on record, it came across even more clearly because that spirit, that sort of, I don't know, the jangle of it all. Yeah, jangle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we struggled for a long time. We, I say we, I was a guitar tech back ah. then. We struggled to make the acoustics sound like we wanted them to sound. Oh, really? When we first started, we had no bass guitar. It was just three acoustic guitars and a drum kit. It was like skiffle punk almost. Ah. And, and we thought that if we pushed the bass drum resonance so much, that would capture the bass tones coming off the acoustic guitars but could we get an engineer to understand that no it wasn't really I think until we saw the white stripes we thought that's what we were trying to get you know that sort of stripped down element of less musicians but a big massive sound so when did you last see the alarm Billy have you seen them live before I don't think I've ever seen the alarm live I've seen Mike live yeah and what do you make of the latest generation of the alarm fantastic really beautiful spirits there you know yeah, 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 it yeah. is there, yeah, that's it, it comes across, you know. Um, it seems an almost odd match, you two, because, you know, we're from Rill in North <laughs> Wales, right? It's arguably the least cool place in the universe. You're from Chicago originally, yeah? Well, I do have some Welsh blood, so... No! Yeah, no, we no! Maybe we're related, because my granddad came to Chicago in 1918 after the First World War, but he only stayed for three years, and we had some family here that we've never been able to trace. So maybe we're... There's got, some seed around, yeah, maybe, possibly. He, he do you know your job. family's name? Corgan, you right, know, yeah. but I do have some Welsh yeah, well, we, my granddad was from Hollyhead, and that's where you got off the ferry if you came yeah. over from Ireland. But they always say the Irish are the Welsh that could swim. That's right. Because they got away when the Romans and the, and the, <laughs> the Welsh Normans and the, came. true. The Welsh and the Irish have we, much we, more in common we than we realised. swim realize. and we got left behind yeah. to fight yeah. the fight, didn't we? But, yeah, we had family in Chicago. My grandma worked for the Bell Telephone Company from go. 1918 to 21. And then he went home. So <laughs> return to my point, you know, it seems an anathema in some ways that a band as cool as Smashing Pumpkins, I mean, you're right up there. It's the greatest. Uh, yeah, as cool as... Yeah. When, for one when, of a better we word. Ca- when we came to America, America didn't have its own voice in the way. There was some underground bands, REM and you know the Long Riders, yeah, and, yeah. and what have you, Wire Train. There wasn't a lot until Billy's generation. Billy came yeah, along yeah. and gave a voice to America that was so powerful. That's why America's belonged to America since the Pumpkins came along, and then the Nirvanas and the Pearl Jams. But you really voiced it in a way we gave. A voice to a certain amount of youth you did for America and massively. Would you describe this lot as an influence in any way? Yeah, because independent music in America, particularly in the 80s going to the 90s, was very cynical. The leaders of that lot were bands like Sonic Youth and even the Pixies, both fantastic bands, but there was a bit of a kind of a collegiate, you know, we had to be kind of a little bit on the inside to kind of understand what was going on. And coming from a working class background, people didn't know what to make of our earnestness. They thought it was like a wink or something. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't understand, like, no, we actually mean what we're doing. It made us cynical, but in a different type of way. So the fans, much like sometimes when I've talked about the alarm in the UK, people, they go, uh, they get lost in their version of it. You have to be a real fan to understand the sort of the heartbeat of it all. 
And I feel that's similar to the Pumpkins thing, where it's like the people on the outside of it who aren't fans is, what is that all about? It seems a bit too loud, a little too brash, a little too messy. They understand it comes from a real earnest place. And the cynicism that we throw out is to say, like, get the away from us if you don't understand, you know what I mean? That goes more back to a, like a, almost like a punk ethos. Mike, on the other hand, refuses to be cynical, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know? I've known him 41 years. There's not an ounce of cynicism in him. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no I mean, I, I, he's come to see us play a bunch of times, and it's always, like, so positive, and you're like, but I hit some bum notes. Oh, who cares about the bum notes? Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, yeah. After playing 40 gigs in just 57 days, the tour was over. We finished in St. Petersburg, Florida. This resulted in a magnificent end-of-tour party, with all the members of the Alarm, Jay Astons, Gene Loves Jezebel and Modern English and the crew celebrating together and trying to define what the very best moments of the entire Sigma tour were. Um, for me, being in the Atlantic off the coast of Miami... Beautiful moment. I was going to say that. <laughs> You're not the first. There have been many of us who said that because it was a spontaneous moment, it wasn't was. it? It was a beautiful moment. And, and sometimes tours are crystallised by not what happens on stage, but what happens off stage. Correct. Yeah. yeah. When, when we went in 1983 to America for the first time, my abiding memory is standing in the pool at the Tropicana. Yeah. Not getting our hair wet. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the gigs, a blah blah blah, because that's what we do. But what defines us is what happens when we're off stage. That's very interesting. That's what the future is built on those moments. Jules. Gareth. Best moment on the tour? Oh, wow, Gareth, that's such a difficult question to answer. Well, firstly, I just want to say how amazing it's been to have you on the tour. And that's just got better and better. Gareth was very upset introducing oh, the band. I couldn't do it, I broke my heart. That's why I had to come on stand thank by you, you <laughs> to get you through it. Yeah, thank these, you. These two are beautiful together, look at them. We've known each other 41 years. We are the alarm girl. Well, I don't know about that. We are, you are. <laughs> You've got as much claim to being in the alarm as me. Well, maybe, maybe at the moment. It's true. <laughs> I've, I've definitely you spanned the full 40 years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, you're I, stuck I've with me. I definitely felt that, if I may say, on this tour. And I think me and Gareth, may I say, were the two that kind of became much more pally yeah, over the last yeah, decade, yeah, yeah, which is yeah. a bit weird. But we've carved out a lovely friendship, me and Gareth. And yeah. then, so when Independence of this terrible man. Might, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like it's come full circle. Oh, and it's like the one, the one thing I really fear from this tour, I mean sincerely, is that I've loved the relationship that you've had with our boys. Oh, and my you, mate. You are like our honorary uncle of the band. Yeah, I'll take that. So I'll take that. Honorary member of the band, honorary uncle, I'll take that. And we're going to do a great... Our next day out is going to be in real. Yes. And we're going to go to the Sun Center, the yes. new Sun Center. Yeah? It continues, doesn't it? Um, it's going to be an amazing back tour. To the question. Yeah, back to this. the question. I had to be quite hamster-like and agree with my husband. And the moment when we got off the bus, only a couple of days ago, and I've been to America probably, I don't know, over a hundred times, but when I walked over the little mound and saw this turquoise water and 
the most incredible pink sun. Yeah, yeah. I just thought, where is this place? And yeah. apparently it was North Beach, Miami. Miami. And yeah. I said to Mike, I want to come back here. Can we come back here? And the, all of us, well, you took your time, Mayor Segar. I had to go back yeah. get my trunks because yeah. I couldn't swim in my work trousers. Yeah. I had nothing on underneath. But the rest I'm of us, we all just headed into the water and it was the most amazing sight. We didn't have swimsuits on. We just waded into that water in our clothes. And for me... We walked into the future. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, what next, yeah? But that's what the beauty of life is. What is next? Now, Mike, I want you to do something. You're the best whistler I know. Can you whistle and get everyone's attention so we can say goodbye? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to wrap up the podcast. Say goodbye to them. I just want everyone to say goodbye. Hip, hip. That's it. Just some of the memorable moments from a remarkable two months with some of the loveliest people I have ever had the joy of sharing a tour bus with. If you've enjoyed this potted history of the Alarms 2019 Sigma Tour, then why not go back and listen to the original 15 episodes from which these short clips were taken? all available from thealarm.com or subscribe for free from wherever you get your podcasts from. And of course, there will be brand new editions of The Alarm's Entourage to enjoy very soon. I'm Gareth Jones. Thanks for listening.